You're listening to Big on Small, the official small business podcast powered by Inspire Hub. I'm Carolyn Hart. And I'm Samantha Castro. We unpack the big ideas happening in small organizations for businesses, agencies, schools, towns, charities, and teams. Because what we know is that good things come from small packages, and there's nothing small about doing good. It's our first episode, and boy, are we kicking it off big with our guest today, Devo Harris, the Grammy award-winning producer and songwriter behind artists like Kanye West and John Legend, who left the music industry to launch a small tech company, Adventure, with his own big idea for interactive video. We think it's the next big innovation for marketers, and what we absolutely love is that he's made it easy to use and affordable enough that small businesses can get in on this. It's the late 1990s, and Devo Harris is settling in for his next DJ shift at the University of Pennsylvania's student radio station, WQHS. It's one of the things he enjoys doing while studying for his degrees in economics and strategic management. His roommate at the time, John Stevens, was also into music and would sing every week at church and local gigs. In 2000, the pair made the move to New York. Devo worked as a business consultant while John continued to produce his own music. Not long after Devo's arrival in New York, he was prompted to visit his cousin who happened to be in town as well. My aunt had mentioned, oh, your cousin, Kanye West, um, is in town. You should check him out. And so uh, we had met once before. So I meet up with with Kanye and he had no one had heard of him. He didn't have a record deal. There's no songs out. But I I just felt what he was doing was undervalued. And I thought I could help bring some structure to it and connect some dots. And uh, I thought it could be something fairly big. And so um, I started working with Kanye as, as his assistant, actually. If anyone here listening ever happened to have had like a, a Kanye West mixtape from before he blew up, that came from my apartment. Nice. How much would that be? Is there collectors? Is there people who collect that? There has to be. Um, you know what? That's a good question. I should look into that. We did look into it. We couldn't find anyone selling an original Kanye West mixtape but we did find someone selling a vinyl record valued at $105 on eBay. If you're listening and have an original mixtape, please let us know. When I started working with Kanye, part of my job was burning CDs, meaning literally artists would be, because he was known as a producer then, artists would be contacting us to get beats from him for their projects. So it could be DMX or Jay-Z, whoever it is working on music. They want music from Kanye, they want a CD. This was back in the day where you had to literally use a CD burner and click record on the CD burner and then play, and you have to record everything in real time. But burning CDs wasn't all he was doing. In 2003, he signed his roommate, John Stevens, onto the Good Music label and helped to change his name to John Legend. Uh, So at the same time, I'm doing the business stuff and marketing and negotiating and signing artists, but I'm also writing songs and producing. And, you know, my first songs I ever produced were John Legend's first album, like multi-platinum, you know, big album. And then so uh, when I produced Kanye and other artists, but at this time I'm still seeing, you know, even the burning CDs and even through iTunes, that was getting passe. Passe because around this time, the music industry was shifting. Napster, which was formed back in 1999, was really starting to take off. 
The rise of MP3s and the ability users had to get content without having to pay for it made it harder for people within the music industry to stand out. Devo tells us what it was like during this time. Well, the circles I was running in, like with Kanye and the and a team of people that were in that nexus, were very innovative and very much looking for how can we distinguish ourselves? Um, how can we just do the coolest stuff? And what, it, what would end up happening is if we did the cool stuff, someone would pay us. Someone would pay you to come and do it for them or do it at scale. Now, we were selling CDs, like mixtapes, et cetera, at, at this time. And at some point, uh, I, I, I put together a mixtape for Bacardi, I believe, like a branded content sort of mixtape. And I said, I wanted to make it extra special and make it something that you can't just find on Napster. So let's add video content. We just put all this extra stuff, pictures on the actual CD. I remember I went to the, the guy that would burn the CDs for you. And I said, how much is it? to burn all this other stuff into the CD. Uh, because to me, I look at these record companies and they were um, just really, really upset about what was happening with Napster, et cetera. And I just thought, well, you're, you're making videos and you're shooting pictures and you have tons of other content. Why don't you put that in the this, in this CD? They can't bootleg that. Give them extra content that is free for you. So people will use that instead of just downloading the songs and they can get even more invested in those artists. But there must be a, a lot of cost to do that. So I speak to the guy, I'm like, how much is it going to cost for me to put this other stuff on it? He said, it's free. It's just data. You just can put whatever you want on it. And I said, why am I, this random guy in New York making mixtapes, pitting images, liner notes, videos, all this cool stuff on a CD but Universal Music can't do that or isn't doing that. You don't need to be the biggest guy in town to, to innovate. And I think often with large companies, there's a challenge in, in, in innovating. The challenge in seeing what's right in front of you sometimes. Why do you think that is, Devo? Like with the uh, with the music industry in particular? I mean, what do you think really gets in people's way when they're, is it just comfort? Yeah, I think I think inertia is strong. One thing for us to say, like, well, I wish one day they would do this. They would change music so it did like this, or they, they would change our, our car so they did this. But who is they? Who are these magical people that are supposed to make our lives better? You know, I used to live on St. Mark's Place uh, in Manhattan, and I remember walking on St. Mark's, and there's a guy that sells records out there, just on the street, was there randomly, some days he's there, some days he's not. And I was a DJ at this time and uh, starting to make you know, my own tracks. And I stopped there, he had some cool records. I bought, I maybe spent $10 buying records. Uh, then I went to my apartment and one of them was Shirley Bassey, uh, James Bond theme, uh, Diamonds Are Forever, from that movie, Diamonds Are Forever. So I spoke to Kanye maybe a week or two later and, and and we were on the phone and I was like, oh, by the way, there's this song I got, you know, I assume because it's a popular song, Diamonds Are Forever from a popular movie, that you and your other producers that work with Jay-Z and all these guys must have heard this song. And there's some reason why you can't use it because they you always talk about diamonds. The whole diamonds is a symbol for your whole record label. And so... There must be some reason you haven't used it. That's why I haven't even touched it in weeks. 
And he's like, no, that's actually a great idea. We can't think of everything. Like, that's a great idea. Do it. You do it. I took him up on that. I made the, I took the samples from that record, ended up making a track for Kanye that ended up winning me a Grammy, like, you know, took me around the world, kind of set me up in my career. I just, I want to pause there for a second because I love, I love that statement. We can't think of everything. I think I love that statement because your idea, you know, if you ever walked around, I'm like, am I crazy? Or why hasn't everybody else seen this? It may not be that you're crazy at all. It's just that it's your unique viewpoint. And I love that you can bring those ideas. And of course, it was brilliant, right? Yeah. There's so many sort of examples of that, of things that, you know, you can see. And even that I'm guilty of, of saying, well, someone else is going to do that. They should do it. They'll do it. Or if they're not, there's a reason why. It must be too hard or it's legally, not illegal or, or whatever it is, some excuse. And so the current thing that we're doing with, uh, with our business is something where I feel pretty strongly like they should do this. Someone should do this. Someone's going to do it. And so um, why not be us? I love that. I've been saying that for many years to different people. Why not? Why not me? Why couldn't I be the one that does does things? And it doesn't mean that I think I'm the smartest. I think the one thing any great entrepreneur ends up doing is going out and finding that talent and saying, let's go do something together because together we will go so much farther than if I tried to ever do something by myself. After the break... Devo heads to Columbia Business School, where he hacks YouTube for a music video, and some of the world's biggest brands reach out to get on board. This episode of Big on Small is brought to you by us, InspireHub, creators of the award-winning iHub app digital experience platform. We make it easy for those with large, diverse audiences to provide a digital experience that is personal, accessible, and secure. We've helped our small business clients thrive in this new digital world and want to share our advice with you. The Small Business Survival Guide is a free step-by-step guide on how to make your business survive today so you can thrive tomorrow. Download a copy of the guide by visiting inspirehub.com forward slash survival guide. That's inspirehub.com forward slash survival guide. In 2009, Devo began studying for his MBA at Columbia Business School. Although things were still continuing in the music industry for him and good music, there was something more he felt compelled to do. I don't want to be 50 trying to make beats. I think there's so much more I can do, and that was interesting to me in in the world, so I wanted to reset my career. But jumping back into education while still being a part of the music industry was a little different than what he was expecting. Devo described to us that at times it seemed like his student peers wouldn't take him seriously because he worked in music. Sort of like, oh, that's Devo. He's he's does music, you know, whatever. Um, so it was interesting when like a music executive would come to campus and all these people would come into uh, to hear them speak to hear about what did the music industry do wrong or right about digital disruption. Some of the same questions that that, that you're asking, and. 
you know, as much as people were kind of poo-pooing on music, I was thinking music, it just, just mainly because it's digital at, at this point, we're at the forefront of trends, cultural creation, digital disruption. All these other industries are looking at this space saying, what did they do right and wrong? How should we prepare for our industry? As, as opposed to, oh, that's not a real industry. I'm looking at it like, no, we're at the forefront of what's happening to the world. But being at the forefront isn't easy. You're in uncharted territory, which to some would incite fear and anxiety. But for Devo, it only intrigues and drives him to step in and continue what he's always done, just making something cool. So during his time at Columbia, Devo was trying to figure out what was something cool and different he could do for this music video for the song Attack of the Five Foot Hipster by the band Riot in Paris. So he reached out to people he knew for inspiration. A buddy of mine worked in advertising, but in like the super cool advertising where they did like super nuanced technical installations around the new Mercedes concept car or something. And I was like, hey, I'm trying to put out a video. What would be cool? Our whole agenda is what's the coolest thing we can do that has the most scale and we take it from from there. And and he said, you know what would be cool is, is if you made a choose your own adventure music video. So yeah, I was like, that's super cool. I've never heard of that. Again, just keep in mind this is 10 years ago for anyone listening. And so yeah, we we put out this video and you know, regular video, and you see the, the feedback on YouTube is like, ah, this song is okay. Eh, whatever. And then we put out an interactive version, exact same song, same visual content, except the viewer can choose what happens next, etc. This took months to, to do this. And we like hacked YouTube. And then we see the comments there like, oh, this song is amazing. I love this song. Oh, this is going to be a hit. This is an amazing song. The exact same song was perceived like night and day based on the format it was delivered. People really just liked it a, a lot more. If you're interested to see how the Choose Your Own Adventure music video worked, we linked a section of the video on our podcast page for this episode. It's listed as an explicit song on Spotify, so if that's not your type of music, that's okay. We got you covered. If you do watch the video we linked, it's about halfway through the adventure. The video starts in the middle of a tussle. You, as the main characters of the adventure, just saved an old lady from these guys you were passing in an alleyway. Through a couple of fun moments, the tussle turns into friendly jamming, and at the end of the video, you're left with three options to choose from, while the song continues to play instrumentally, and the video itself loops back and forth, giving you time to choose either option one, go shopping with the guys you just met, option two, just go skateboarding with your friend, or option three, to follow the old lady for a special thank you, seeing as you just helped her. Which would you choose? When the amount of views started to go up on the music video, other people and companies started to take notice. Next thing you know, all these companies are contacting me saying, how can we get that? And I said, well, why? These are huge multi-billion dollar companies saying, well, why would you want that? And number one, I'm just some kid in school. I don't really, I just hacked YouTube. And they said, this is a better version of what you put out. We need to keep people, especially young people, on our page longer. And we think this might keep them on our page longer. So our numbers will go up so we can show more ads. And I said, okay, that makes sense. And what's crazy about this is that was 10 years ago. 
And it's still, you know, it's still now, 10 years later, it's now becoming leading edge kind of thought provoking interactive video on a whole new level. It's still new, but here you were 10 years ago playing with it. I think that's absolutely fascinating. Right. And that's the thing is at that time I started researching and I said, oh, this is how it's going to be. There's no reason on the internet why I shouldn't be able to say, I'm a smoker, so show me the smoker insurance plan. Or um, there's a video and there's a professor teaching about you know some botany, but I just need the part about photosynthesis. How can I just get to that part about photosynthesis? There's no way, there was no way to do, there still is no way to do that. There will be in the next 12 months, but because we're about to put it out, but... Either way, um, it's, it's very interesting. And we even have, you know, users now that we had users, someone maybe a week ago had left some feedback and they're like, look, I heard from my friend that this company is about to be the biggest video company in the space. So I want to help be part of it on the creative side. And I'm like, who are these people? Where is this, these rumors coming from? I agree, but um, it's interesting. But that was the the context. It just, again, from all that time looking at media and how it's shrinking and how it's becoming more flexible and less of a, like, it was a piece of plastic. That was a record. Then it was a small piece of plastic. It was a CD. Then it was a file. Now it's not even a file. So the next, it'll be executable code. That's what we're doing. And so at that point, I figured this is, it's inevitable In my mind, this is going to be a thing where people should be able to interact with content, to customize it, to dig within it. But we're just getting to where bandwidth would support those sorts of of things. Um, And so I started learning to code and started building little prototypes, eventually built a basic platform with a buddy of mine uh, that let people make uh, these interactive experiences very easily on their computer and then share them. And so, you know, I I have a few ideas and principles on life. One is I believe that, you know, success and all that comes with it actually makes you more of who you are already. People talk about being altered or whatever. I think that if you are a generous person before success, you become more generous after. And I think what I love about your story is you may have not used the word, you know, a developer, you know, in that sense, you were a music producer, but what you are is, you know, an inventor and an innovator. And that was there right at the very beginning. You were like, okay, we have this, this new technology. Let's go and, you know, burn CDs at a time when people weren't really thinking like that. And you just keep that next evolution, that next innovation going And so, you know, because I'm sure when people hear, so you were, you won these Grammys, you were in the music industry, why would you ever leave it? And what I hear differently, maybe than other um, people, and what I'm, what I'm seeing is that it's, it's not that you're leaving the music industry to go to the tech star, you're just doing what you've always done. Do you think that's a fair (laughs) assessment? I think a a thousand percent. Because that's a different mindset. Right. And I do think that small businesses and entrepreneurs are wired extremely differently. You know, there are people in the world who will never start a company. There are people in the world who will never innovate. There are people in the world who will never take that big jump to go. They have a dream in their mind, some maybe business they would love to do one day. 
and they never actually do it. And then, of course, your success is the type of success that, you know, everybody dreams about and you achieved it. And so here you are starting over in many respects. You know, certainly you've got experience behind you. You have awards behind you. You have a great network behind you. But it's not like other industries. When you when you come into tech, you know, it's it is kind of ruthless. Either it works or it doesn't. Either it's adopted or it's not. And they don't care who you are. Right. So uh, it's just you if users don't like something, they don't do it. So, you know, what would you say for yourself? You know, being an innovator, this is your whole thing. You know, do you see yourself as this brave, you know, innovator, inventor or is is that how you see yourself? I do see myself as an innovator, and uh, I do see myself as a executor. But I think that the the things that I do are things that lots of people probably think about. I just am willing to take the pain of doing it and putting it together. I don't necessarily. I don't really code very much. Or very well. I don't play any musical instruments, but what I do do is think of things I, I think the market or I would really like to see or hear, and then I get the right people together and compel them to put it together with me. I, I think I'm just, uh, and I'm not the first person to think about interactive content by any stretch, but I'm willing to put in the work to be the uh, best. And so I think that's some of the difference for for me. Seeing, you know, my roommate in college that would just sing at church every weekend. And then we would sing, you know, we would perform in bars literally uh, for years. He loved it. That's part of the the process. And then him becoming John Legend uh, or my cousin who everyone said, no one wants to hear you rap. Like, get out of here. Just, Just keep making your music. No one wants to hear that. And him becoming Kanye West, one of the biggest stars on earth, it makes me believe anything is possible. And so that's that's I feel like that's the difference between me and the next person. Isn't like a bunch of any genius. I think is I literally do believe anything is possible, and I think that anyone can can win, including me. Um, and I think too many of us don't believe that. And, and I love the fact that you, you know, I think it's probably blowing people's minds right now to hear that you won a Grammy and you don't play an instrument or that you're now leading a tech company and you're not a coder because, you know, what we usually see in movies and through Hollywood is the opposite of that. We don't see people being, yeah, no, you must have this talent in order to succeed in that industry. And, you know, certainly that's something that bonded you and I, because I am a senior solutions consultant and I wasn't coding, but I was overseeing the teams of developers and creating architecture and understanding the flow of data across countries. And, you know, I can write my own functional specs, but when it actually comes to coding, that's where my talented team comes into play as well. And I think there's this real misunderstanding about, you know, what your skill set is and what your passion is. And it's not always having to be all-encompassing. It's it's really about embracing what is your talent. I, my talent is I love, I love, I call it unleashing people. I love bringing people together 
and giving them big ideas and saying, how can we go do this, this thing together? And then, you know, then I get out of their way. <laughs> that's what I, that's my talent is I get out of the way. So I love the fact that you've had global success and it was just being your authentic self. And that's what I want small business owners to hear is it's okay if you don't have all the boxes checked. It's okay if you don't have all that. That's not the point. The point is get out there and and start doing. Devo got out there and he started doing what he could to learn more about the video space. He researched, taught himself basic HTML, looked at video trends, and envisioned what video and specifically interactive video was going to become in the next five to 10 years, which is now. In the market now, you see companies like Netflix is heavily invested in interactive content. YouTube is starting a new division for interactive content. Walmart did a quarter billion dollar interactive video deal in 2018. Whether it's BBC or Tinder, Fox, HBO, everyone's investing in interactive content, at least trying to experiment and figure out what it means. And I'm like, we were doing that 10 years ago. So my new sort of understanding of media and and sort of where it's going and what we're doing is really that like video is still the same as 1940s, right? Whenever the television was introduced, you know, people listened to it like it was a radio. That was the only paradigm that they, they knew. Presenting an unusual story of love and mystery on Front Page Detective, starring Mr. Edmund Lowe. And brought to you by Feld, F-E-L-D, Feld Chevrolet. And now, another thrilling adventure of the famed newspaper columnist and amateur detective, David Chase. No one was able to take advantage of the television and this miraculous new technology until creatives had tools that would let them broadcast things and, and that are moving and add audio to it, etc. So I feel like we're doing the same thing now with video. Video, we're still looking at as this static uh, just piece of information that floats on top of the internet and comes to your phone or your TV, and hopefully you, you like it. That's not how the internet's supposed to work. So right now, the vast majority of the internet is video. The like Over 75% of the internet is video. But it has no interactivity. There's no intelligence. There's no communication between video and software. It's just some information sitting on top of the internet. So what we envision and what we think it has to happen is that video will eventually become part of the internet. Video will be able to be searchable. It'll be able to be an actual interface to other software and systems. That's what we're doing now. So at Adventure, we're really a platform for intelligent video. So yes, you can click on videos and you can choose okay, this is the, I like the two-door style houses, or like you can certainly do that. But the overarching sort of uh, mission is to really enable video, which is the bulk of the internet, to have access to all the capabilities and features of the web and these devices that we use. So what does that mean? Hey, my computer has a microphone in it. Why can't I watch a video and talk to it and have them talk back to me and have them choose whatever I want? You can't. We have patent pending technology now where you can literally speak to the videos and they hear you and they change. Why can't I uh, open a bank account and within this video 
you will be able to. Why can't I search for the subject that I want in this video? It's a two hour long video. I just want to get to the part where they talk about Minnesota. That's what we're doing is implementing software, taking software and video and merging them together, all in an easy to use platform. So you'd be very surprised at the government bodies that have, and even actually Canadian government bodies that have contacted me saying, hey, we want people to take their uh, hunting or fishing license exam from home through a video or health organizations. We want people to do these certain physical exams uh, from home, from a video. I feel like it's so limitless. You know, when I think about interactive video and we're just at, I can't believe we're still at the beginning, even though you were doing this, you know, for the last decade, I just think it's so, you know, how will that change our movie going experiences? You know, how will that change advertising? I've always thought that eventually advertising would become fully immersive uh, to the human experience. So for example, I don't know if you remember, but uh, I don't watch Game of Thrones, but I did see that they left a Starbucks cup on one of the uh, scenes. Do you know what I'm talking about? I heard about this. Well, when I saw that, and again, I don't watch the show, which I think that makes me very much a minority in the world because it seems like everybody watches Games of Thrones. But I laughed, but my first insight into that was like, oh my goodness, could you imagine if that was interactive? If the show was interactive and that Starbucks cup had been left on there, what you would have been able to do, what Starbucks would have been able to do on everything, clicking on it, putting your order in, I don't know, for what would what the character would be drinking. It really is such a creative exercise that takes us into a, a whole new world. That's our job as a company, as an organization to help take people into that world. I feel like when you sign up for adventure, you're not signing up for a video editing app. Like that is the least exciting, least compelling thing for me personally. I think what you're what you're signing up for is a journey. We're going to take you to the place that you're talking about, Carolyn. So, yes, you this makes it very easy for you to make some zones in your video, people can click on it. It's super cool, right? And you get, you're selling more products, right? People, the students are watching it longer because they can participate in it. Now, what if we add this voice capability to it? How does that work, Netflix? You know, there's a phone number with the, on a video saying to call us or contact us. Right now, you need to write it down or try to remember it. Why can't I just click on it and it calls them? Or click on it and it texts it. That is... I think we're going to look at YouTube and this kind of video as it exists now, five or 10 years from now, and really be like, remember when we couldn't even, you had to write down a phone number? When people said, call us, I need to write it down. Or I couldn't search within a video for the part I wanted. That's crazy. And so that's the journey we want to take you on, even to where I feel like now if someone heard, what, they want to have you take a, a fishing exam from home through a video that doesn't make sense. Just like to a lot of people, telehealth didn't make sense three months ago. Now telehealth is significant here in, 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 in the States. It's, it's grown exponentially. So that's what we want to do from a marketing standpoint, from a product standpoint. Again, it's not just, oh, it's a product. You can do this thing. It's literally like when you sign up, you know you're always going to have the most cutting edge tools for media production 
But hopefully you'll also understand thematically where we're going as people on the internet, where we are now, where is the, the future, and helping us get there. When talking to Devo about adventure, it's hard not to get excited with him. Sometimes when we hear something like this, it's easy to be skeptical and think, okay, but what's the catch? Is this new wave of technology going to leave me in the dust? Will I, as a small business owner, be able to get in on this and create stuff for my company or organization? How easy will it be? Devo has our answer. It needs to be so simple, I could use it. So that's what we that's what we 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 push for. I have an eleven year old daughter. She needs to be able to, to use it. The more that I look at sort of yeah, just the internet and like what's popular the internet and how it works, how where it's going, internet products. There's a shrinking line between professional and consumer. So people are like, well, is this B two B B two C? I'm like, I think that's a dated question, and. There are like products that are highly technical, I feel like don't tend to do as well. Products that are more aimed so anyone can, can use it, including a professional, uh, seem to tend to do better. So what if you could take the same technology that Netflix has, but make it better, make it like way better. The Netflix technology only works in Netflix app. What if you could take that, but let anyone have it for free? I think there'd be a lot of people using it. What you're really talking about is making that technology kind of reserved for the technologist available for absolutely everybody, everywhere. That's a that's a huge idea. That's a big idea. That's a big idea that's going to have a huge impact on small businesses. Because I feel like the ability to interact and, you know, right now the small business who finds your, your tool goes in and is like, I'm going to create this interactive video for people to engage with whatever the product is that I'm doing, right? Like, you know, someone's selling makeup, for example, and you can go in and select what color the model's going to wear on on the video. I mean, there's so much potential there. Pretty much everyone is a content maker now. If your company, your school, if you're not making some sort of video content, you're kind of behind the uh, times. So that said... You know, Mark Jacobs is one of our uh, early users. But what they've done is taken their traditional marketing content, which is, you know, in this case, it's a, it's content with, with dogs in it. And, you know, the previous version of that content had dogs running around and there's purses and sweaters and like cool clothing from Mark Jacobs in that video. And then at the end, there's kind of like Mark Jacobs. It's like, cool. There's no engagement there's no discovery. There's no identification of the items. There's no calls to action. There's no commerce. It's just a piece of video. That's how 99.9% of marketing content is. It's just some stuff that hopefully people like. And hopefully it comes to your mind the next time you think about buying sneakers, hopefully you think of that name. I think that's not what the internet is for. So what Mark Jacobs has done is taken that same content and made it a bit more engaging. Now the dog's in it, you can kind of pick which dog or pick what they're going to do. Are they going to go to the dance floor and dance with the person? Are they going to go, it, you know, picking those things. But also, you like that sweater? Yeah, go click on it and learn more. Click on it and buy it. Those shoes are cool, right? Now you can buy it right now. And it's on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, ad networks. It can be distributed anywhere. 
So if you're making video right now that has zero opportunities to convert, at a minimum, what you can do is take those videos and give them an opportunity to convert. If do you like what I'm sharing with you? If so, click here to sign up for a meeting, for a phone call. Click here, right here in this video, to download more in information. Do this fun thing with me. You, the same way we made our music video years ago, that was crappy, and people were like, yeah, I don't know, this song kind of is whatever. And then we just added a few, few choices to it. And people are like, I love this song. This is a hit song. That's how much even minor personalization adds to uh, someone's experience and their likelihood to, to, to purchase. You know, and what if I told you in your marketing content, people are going to go watch it a second and third time. When people use our, our videos, we found there's a 34% increase in purchase intent, over 200% increase in view time, 13 times click-through rate of people going to your page to learn more about whatever it is. So that's why Netflix and Walmart and YouTube and all these companies are investing in this format because there's there's a real lift to it. It's a real business difference. And so that's what we're doing is allowing that at scale. And then what's next? So yeah, Netflix shouldn't be the only guys having fun and getting this lift. So I think what I was saying 10 years ago is finally coming to fruition. The facts remain true today. The same thing we, we saw with our music video. It was like night and day, I promise y'all. People literally were like, this sounds better to me. This is more interesting to me. I'm more likely to buy this, to tune into this TV show, to try this on, to set up a consulting meeting. We've seen it at small scale and at big scale. And uh, it's really something that I think is gonna be in the next 10 years, you're going to be at a disadvantage if you're not employing more personalized experiences. Now, sitting on the other side of a global pandemic, really, if you are not digital, you are not going to survive. You know, you need to survive now in order to thrive. And those businesses that are surviving, the game just got raised, right? So, you know, let's just say it six months ago, if you were a small business and you, maybe you had a website, you thinking to yourself, oh, I should really get to, you know, do something more with that, what I am. You know, you know how many small businesses weren't even doing e-commerce. They weren't even enabled to take orders online. And now they had no choice, right? They really, there was literally no way for anybody to buy from them unless they were online. And so guess what happens? Immediately, not just you not just one or two businesses, but you know we're talking millions of businesses around the world slamming into position e-commerce, understanding that they have to get digital, and so now the competition is greater. And now the question the question will be: How are you going to set yourself apart uh, digitally as you're you're looking to grow your small business? And it, and it's not something pie in the sky. It, it's here. It's right now. I'm already excited for you know the various small businesses that we work with. We have a number of different clients that I'll be saying let's let's go and do interactive video. My opinion is is that it's going to be a difference maker for for not the large you know you're going to see the large guys do it up, but it's going to be I think a huge difference maker for the small businesses that get on board early. You can get on board early by signing up for the beta version of this interactive technology. Go to adventure.io. That's adventure, A D 
V-E-N-T-R dot I-O. Make sure you let them know you heard about them on the Big On Small podcast. Before we end today's episode, here's Devo's advice to small business owners. Follow your, your hunches. I, you know, don't be afraid to try new things. Sometimes that's where the, the breakthroughs come from. Just do it. Don't wait for permission or an internship. You want to start your small business? You want to start a big business? Just start it. There's no, there's no shortcuts. I'm glad 10 years ago when I graduated from Columbia, I got, I had my friends spend a couple of hours teaching me how to code Flash. I never became good at it, but I said, I'm just going to do this. And we're still growing and we're still learning, but all these things, you know, we're launching with one of the biggest fashion houses in the, the world. We've just got a patent for controlling video by speaking to it. And that started from just simple, small first steps. So that's what I would encourage, you know, small business owners and those that want to be uh, small business owners to just start. We hope you enjoyed our first episode of Big on Small. And if you did, be sure to subscribe and follow us wherever you listen to podcasts. Visit bigonsmall.biz to join our community of small businesses and find helpful resources. To learn more about what we talked about in today's episode, read show highlights, and more, go to bigonsmall.biz slash podcast and visit the post for this episode. Is there something you want us to discuss on the podcast? Do you want to rant to us about what your business has been facing in the past few months? Whatever you may need, please call and leave us a message at one 844 967 chat That's 1-844-967-2428. We listen to each and every message. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Big On Small. The Big On Small podcast is powered by InspireHub creators of the award-winning iHubApp digital experience platform. Big on Small is produced and directed by me, Samantha Castro. And me, Carolyn Hart. Additional support by Sue Braden, Richard Brashear, Audrey Duncan, and Sue Jenks. Music by Noah Smith and mixed by Samantha Castro. For the full list of credits, visit the podcast page for this episode. Thanks for listening. <laughs>